right, we are rolling. This is Kaiju Transmissions. Um, this is Bird, and join me. Joining me is Matt. Hello. Yes. Hi, everybody. Who is on his porch? Right? Are you still on your porch? My well, it's technically my driveway. Okay, you're on your driveway. So at 9:30 yeah. p.m. Because I'm, I'm having a cigar, and, and they're delicious. On a Godzilla podcast, so <laughs> anyone walking their dog or something is probably just going to think you're out of your mind. Eh, it's all right. My, my wife already thinks that, so it's it's fine. And joining us is a special guest, returning after, it's been a little while now, uh, but we have our friend Chris, who also composed that awesome theme that you hear every time you tune into our podcast with his uh, sorry everyone <laughs> with his, his one-man musical project he didn't like being called a one-man band last time uh which is cosmic monster you can find much music on the cosmic monster Bandcamp site including that theme isn't that right chris that is correct uh, and oh, if you'd like a shorter url or uh oral uh cosmicmonster.org I have a SoundCloud and Instagram and uh, probably some other websites that I don't know about. Facebook, I've probably abandoned. You know. <laughs> um, and, of course, we're on Facebook as well. We're on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Uh, now, uh, well, first of all, Chris, thank you for joining us because you are a very last-minute addition to this. Uh, because hey, yeah. I know you have a special affinity for the subject matter that we're discussing, and it is uh, un- uh, due to unfortunate circumstances that it's very relevant at the moment. Um, Matt and I had something completely different planned for the night, but. Uh, the three of us and many people listening, I'm sure, woke up today to the unfortunate news that Yoshimitsu Bano has passed away at the age of 86. Uh, people know him as uh, being the writer and director of Godzilla vs. Hedera, and um, uh, I guess also... That's what he's most famous for, but produced the 2014 legendary movie and uh, is kind of responsible for that whole thing in a way, and also wrote and co-directed The Prophecies of Nostradamus for Toho, um, and uh, his contributions uh, don't get enough credit, I don't think. So uh, we are here to just kind of do our own little tribute episode to him, and we're going to go over his career and uh, the things that... He's accomplished and uh, contributed to the kaiju genre, and um, yeah, this is this was not the plan for for what we were doing tonight, but I, I think it's appropriate, especially because I don't think he gets enough credit for a lot of things, uh, and in some cases, I think he's kind of unnecessarily been uh, put down over the years, um, but. So, uh, predictable answer here. When you guys saw this news, what, what, what did you think? 
sad. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it, at least for me, I was just thinking like, wow, another person whose work I grew up enjoying passed away in their 80s. Like, I feel like that's like just a it, it's I mean, with us being in our 30s now, that that's just going to be. Hey, hey, you too, maybe you old <laughs> farts. Yeah, we're old. We're old as shit. But uh with our age bracket, I think that's that's something that's becoming more of like a a fact of life at this point. And especially over the last couple of years, I mean, it, it started with David Bowie and then it just seems like it's been one after another. Oh, my God, and it's been crazy. Yeah, 2016 yeah. was the worst in 2017. I didn't it, it hasn't been better. Let's just be honest about it. Yeah, and we, like, we've we've lost uh, quite a quite a lot. That's, that's why, like. More than ever, I, 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 if I have the opportunity to, like, meet any of these guys, I want to take it. Like, I'm very happy. I, I just met George Romero a couple weekends ago. Like, and he, I, if, if I didn't do that, I know that the inevitable day that I wake up to a morning like this, I would regret it, you know. And it's not like you get a lot of time to spend with these guys, but it does – there's something in the inner fan that's – satisfied at least for me just by walking up shaking someone's hand and saying like hey thanks for thanks for the the movies thanks for the music thanks for the whatever exactly i mean a lot of these guys haven't gotten credit for what they've done or they've gone decades without really being recognized mm. in any capacity yeah like for me uh, seijun suzuki just died as well and he's another one of my like you know a huge cult director that was a big influence on me i discovered him when i was going to film school and, you know, being into a lot of bizarre Japanese cinema, someone like like Bono, you know, I'd seen Smog Monster years before I'd, I'd even considered diving deep into, into bizarre Japanese cinema. So like these guys, you know, Bono worked for Toho in a whole bunch of different jobs. And it's not like everyone's going up to him being like, hey, you know what I loved? Uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, that movie that everyone hates, and the Prophecies of Nostradamus, that movie that I can't see because yeah. it's under a self-imposed studio ban. Great yeah. work, buddy. If anything, <laughs> um, it does make me very happy that he kind of got to enjoy. And we'll, t I mean, I, I think that with just all the stuff that's going on now, I think it's it's he's probably not getting enough credit again. But it does make me happy that he was kind of able to more or less be the one to bring Godzilla back in a way, which, you know, we'll get to, you know, the metamorphosis of his project to the legendary movie. But, you know, just for, and even, even in the seventies, you know, Tanaka hated his Godzilla movie and said, I never want you to touch that property again, you know? And, you know, for someone who's been shit on so much to be able to kind of foster something so huge, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's it's almost like an underdog story where, you know, he he did get to enjoy that. He got to go to the premieres and he got to visit the sets and hang out with like the the Hollywood guys and you know, that that's something that I I think that's something that I think makes a makes it feel a little bit better when you consider how much just how many people hate his movie. <laughs> you know, um, so we're, we're just let's let's. We'll talk about him and, uh, I guess, just his career. Um, 
so Chris, do you know where he, we talked about how he started at Toho with a, a number of jobs. Now, the earliest one that I was able to to see was um, being a assistant director to Akira Kurosawa, starting with Throne of Blood, if um, the interwebs is to be believed. Do you know if that was his first experience, or do you know anything uh, about his assistant directing days? From what I understand, um, I, I cobbled a bunch of information together very quickly today from a bunch of different interviews, some with Sci-Fi Japan, some with Jim Ballard, uh, one was from Gaijin Pot. Um, just to, I guess, cite ahead of time, I a lot of this research was done in very little time today, so it's kind of a mess. Uh, from what I understand, he got his start at Toho via his brother. Um, he brought him, I think he brought him to the set. And he started acting like an AD, and they gave him an AD job. It was something along those lines. But either way, I think Throne of Blood was the first job um, that he was on. And then he was assistant director on The Lower Depths, Hidden Fortress, and The Bad Sleep Well for Kurosawa. Um, those are all good movies. Lower De- I'm not a huge Lower Depths fan. It's good, but the, the other three in that batch are classics. I mean, yeah, either way... Like two, of the, two of the four. I mean, either way, things as an assistant director at that point... I, he really wasn't doing too much. He's he's not a creative force. He's working a job and he's making everything work. He's communicating so the director doesn't have to. Um, and I think he was actually he was billed originally at uh, according to IMDb as Yoshimitsu Sakano. Uh, I did not catch whether that's his real name or if he changed it or, or if if Bondo is a showbiz name. I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, you know, from what I understand, that was his start in the early 60s. He went as an assistant director for several different films, including um, Iron Finger, the um, Takarada spy film. Uh, Which I haven't seen, but it's it was I on Hulu. Awesome. Like, I yeah, it, it was on Hulu, and I, I, I they took it off before I got a chance to see it. But I, I think Criterion has the rights to it. But it, they they have it streaming, but they haven't released it yet. But yeah, I want to see those. Those are fun. I mean, it's if you like the June Fukuda 60s or even like Mechagodzilla, but the, that fun James Bond influenced, you know, that whole the wave of Euro spy and other subgenres that came after James Bond. They all fit very well into that. But yeah, and he was chief assistant director on that one, according to IMDb, which for Japanese filmmakers is hardly uh, inaccurate and underpopulated with accurate information. So we're going to go with the assumption <laughs> that this is all correct here. Because uh, that's not really a movie that is talked about very much in any interview at all. Every interview with him is mostly focused on, you know, oh, you worked with Kurosawa, uh, Expo 70, Smog Monster, um, Nostradamus, and then some technological stuff. Then fast forward to present day. So as far as I know, that's the 60s. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess 1970 is when we have his first feature then. Uh, the birth of the Japanese islands, uh, well, right? Is not a feature. Not a feature. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, hey, what is it? And back what... the hell up, buddy. Okay. All right. Back and <laughs> up. The guy with the show and the thing. Uh, so it was actually for Expo seventy, um, the the World Fair. So uh, Expo seventy was held in Osaka, which, uh, if you know anything, well, obviously this will tie directly to to Smog Monster. Um, Japan had a huge pollution problem in the 60s and going into the early 70s that their government was not doing anything about. 
So when he went to Expo 70 in uh, to present the birth of the Japanese islands, which is a combination multimedia thing, I think it was a short film as well as a uh, some physical stuff. It was a whole exhibit kind of thing. And it was produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka with music by Fukube. And correct um, me if I'm wrong, but weren't what were the that Fukube music is basically the score to Godzilla versus Gigan, right? Or at least some I'll, of the main themes. Yeah, some of the main themes are used directly, just lifted out of that. And I think even then, some of the other themes that are in it were some were repurposed into that from other Fukube pieces, or afterwards used elsewhere. I honestly, actually, I think it was a lot of them were sourced from earlier pieces. I don't have the track list in front of me right now, and I honestly haven't gone through it in months. Fu- uh, understanding way, you know, where Fukube's cues come from is like a a giant brain maze anyway. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, this one is used here, 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 and here, but a variation here and adapted from this thing that he wrote 40 years earlier, you know. Um, but besides the point, uh, the it was the, uh, ex- the in Expo 70, the birth of the Japanese islands, it was the showing the I think the creation of the Japanese peninsula. Uh, was it peninsula? No, not peninsula. Uh, what's the, the archipelago? Excuse me. Sorry, it's a little late for geography. Um, and it was part of the Mitsubishi Pavilion. Um, it, sh- it one of the things that the expo was supposed to showcase was new technologies and hope for the future. Um, and one of the things that Bono kind of took in was that. Despite all of that, the pollution situation in Japan was significantly worse than reported at the time. And uh, that was it from an interview with Sci-Fi Japan. He went into that. Um, and what was it? Uh, there's, I have a quote from him saying, uh, I would see cities like Yokaichi just covered in black smog, the sea filled with foam and all the detergent dumped into it, and the air smelled like rotten eggs. I imagine some kind of space virus like a tadpole being affected by this slime and growing into a monster. So you can see, you know, the pollution being that horrible after a decade of basically the our friends, the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan doing nothing. Uh, the local citizen groups took the only <sighs> initiative. So what you have is a pollution out of control in a way that's not being reported. So imagine, like, uh, if you want some context... If you look at China before any pollution regulations were being put into place, which they're now you know, turning around very, very aggressively, it was really bad. The pollution in Japan was atrociously horrible. Um, the, if a quick Google search would bring up a number of different illnesses and conditions, uh, famous situations, uh, people were passing out. Just It was just a really bad scene all over the place. So... There's, that was 1970. So he got to make, it was from that, the, uh, from the World's Fair Expo, Tanaka, you know, saw Bono's talent and said, hey, want to do a Godzilla movie? And of course he said yes. Of course. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking here otherwise. <clears throat> um, so Godzilla versus Hedera... I'm. It's not like anyone listening to this doesn't know this, but it's Chris. Like you, I am a connoisseur of cult movies, uh, rarities, oddities, obscurities, and I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Still to this day, Godzilla vs. Hedera 
is still one of the most bizarre movies I've seen, which says a lot coming from... Yeah, you've seen some (laughs) weird stuff, yeah. And uh, this is also, I think, partially why it's it's such a divisive movie. Um, It's unique, God forbid. Yeah, right. Um, And for me, it's one I've loved since I was a kid. And as I've gotten older and, like understood the the cinematic process more you know i i've really uh taken to you know all the weird little cut scenes and the animations and just how how weird it is so it's all it's one that i i've always loved and i continue to like and appreciate as i get older um now matt i kind of want you to uh you're 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 in uh are you you're in like a middle um you're you're in like a transformation period with your with your opinion of hetera right you're in the flying form <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in a weird weird spot so literally two weeks ago my son goes through these phases right so like he was in this gamera gamera versus gauss phase where like we were watching that movie every day for like two weeks straight and about a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, I was showing him some other stuff. So we watched the uh, the 90s Mechagodzilla film. We watched the two Showa Mechagodzilla films. And then we actually ended up watching Smog Monster. Um, and he wanted to watch it. We, I watched it three times in like a 24-hour period with him. And I, it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, hey, this actually isn't as bad as what I remember. Because I honestly, I had ranked it probably not quite bottom five, but like it was probably like sixth, like towards the bottom. Never, never liked it, never had an affinity for it. Um, I think the biggest knock on it for most people, and especially the people that, that really hate it, is the whole flying scene. <laughs> but if, if, if you take but if you take that part out, right, that's kind of a crazy 70s thing. But if you, if you take that part out, um, there, there are some really interesting elements. Like I get why the people that are just super fans of it really enjoy it because it is so visceral. You have the crazy imagery. Um, I... I used to think the film was boring and, and I watching with my son, like he adores that film. Like he's like, Hey, I want to watch the movie with the, the weird monster that shoots lasers out of his eyes. I'm like, Oh, okay. We can watch, we can watch smog monster. And so watching that with him, like kind of forced me to, to watch it and, and reassess it. And, um, I'm not just saying that this, this because we're doing a podcast about Bano. Like I, I really think it's a much better film than I originally ever gave it credit for. Um, I, I can't say it'll ever be my favorite Godzilla film, but there's definitely some strange ideas and a lot of them work. Um, and, and obviously knowing the history behind why the film was made and knowing the history of not only Japanese cinema, how like it's heading towards the tanks at this point, And plus the history of just how like basically all the pollution and everything that film actually has a purpose to not every Godzilla film does the way that this film and like the original film do. Um, so it feels like an important part of history. Now, the one negative I will say about the film is I I cannot get the wa- past like the wah wah music. I just I can't do it. <laughs> uh, still, <laughs> I, I can't I can't do it. Um, there's some really cool like bits and pieces of the soundtrack. Like obviously, Save the Earth is like a iconic moment for the franchise to- in in totality. But the wah wah music and they end up reusing that same theme in Megalon. Like that literally gives me a headache. <laughs> And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Last time I watched Megalon, I got a, I got a migraine. And I'm like, oh god, just make it make it go away. You're watching it um, too hard. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. watching it so hard. Um, 
but 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 overall i mean like it's it's a much better film than i give it credit for it has some really interesting ideas and and i think that i was probably just being a little overly critical for a godzilla film and, and you know what fans we do that a lot we tend to evaluate these films as I don't know. We want certain things, and we're we're too picky about certain things. And and I was probably very guilty of that when it came to this particular movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, the score, the 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 theme is definitely. If it's not an acquired taste, you're never for you. You're if you don't acquire that taste, it's always going to drive you crazy. I like. The what do you more... think of this? I want to hear what Chris thinks about the score, actually, because he's the. I feel like he's the music connoisseur here. I mean, I love it. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the theme, the the theme for the, for Godzilla himself is funny. It it it's just you know it's it's not sounds cool. like he's drunk. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's just like <laughs> womp womp womp. You know, it, it's 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 a comical theme. But remember, at this point, he it's no longer the uh, the the nuclear message. It's no longer just you know he's showing up and whatever happens happens. Now he's, you know, he's shown framed in front of the rising sun. So he's basically like, oh, he's defending Japan. He's Japan's pride and joy, you know, like, ah, there he is. Yay. Um, it's I, at the same time, you kind of wish it would be more of a heroic theme, I guess. But at the same time, if I can get a, a, a laugh at it, that's that's OK with me. Um, I mean, the rest of the score, I really like it's bizarre. It's out there. It's improv. I love a lot of the the, the distorted organ sounds. I don't know. I really like a lot of the score, but I also like a lot of psychedelic rock from this era and some Japanese psychedelic rock groups of this era. Um, one that I mentioned on the on the Kaiji Music episode was Food Brain. There, uh, I think they put out one LP, and it's you know half of it's just complete freak out improvisation, and I'm totally cool with that. Uh, but and, you know, I, I sorry. I was just gonna say this movie gives you. Like that crazy, yeah, that, like that crazy psychedelic track that's going on when the guy's like drunk and sees people with fish heads. That like that happens. I really feel like that he's more. He's he's got to be more than drunk, man. Oh yeah. You don't get drunk and, and see fish heads. That's <laughs> not how that works. Well, that's one. Uh, Bono actually denies that. Um, <laughs> he said that uh, it was not influenced by drug use. He has said yeah, he had a lot he, of interest in new expression, and he actually likened it to the movie Woodstock. I don't know. <laughs> Do you believe, I, you know, I mean, we're not here to accuse the dead of anything, but I, <laughs> that I don't is, know. That is it, not how I would have ever, right. how I would have framed that scene <laughs> yeah, in my that, head at that's, all. That's what I'm trying I mean, to get at here. It's it's hard to say because there were a lot of, of movies around this time where directors were using a lot of strange techniques and a lot of expressionism and other bizarre stuff that you normally wouldn't associate with movies of whatever context it is. Like, um, are you fan, fans of any of the Lone, the Lone Wolf and Cub movies? Oh, yeah. Or, um, you know, I, I pulled up some other movies that came out in 1971 um, just in Japan just to see, like, all right, for comparison, you know, how weird is this surrounded by everything else? And, you know, uh, just again, a quick Google search to see what what came up that I was at least familiar with either the franchise, the film, or I'd seen it any number of times. You know, some other Japanese films from 71, uh, Throw Away Your Books, Rally in the Streets. That was a musical that was, a you know, very anti-establishment musical, um, which the guitarist of Flower Traveling Band actually wrote a couple of tracks on it. Um, then there was a two Torasan movies came out that year, which is, you know, salary, the salary man geared comedies. They're very broad, you know, Zatoichi and the One-Armed Swordsman, Lake of Dracula, Gamera versus Zegra. 
the Battle of Okinawa, um, Hideo Gosha's The Wolves, uh, Kinji Fukusaku's Sympathy for the Underdog, and Silence, which was recently readapted by Scorsese. Um, so you have a bit of a variety there. It's not as weird as Smog Monster, but there's sequences in some of these movies where you really wouldn't normally associate like psychedelia or something that bizarre with whatever genre that is, or even just use of color, like something in, and some shots of Lake of Dracula, the Lake of Dracula has that wacko painting with the eyeball. Yeah. That part's awesome. Yeah. I have a day bill of that thing that I can't hang up because there's no frame that fits it. That's not expensive as hell. Um, but, uh, my point being is that it seems strange in hindsight, but it's not really unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I kind of, things like Godzilla flying, that's kind of stuff that, like, it never really bothers me when Godzilla has, like, stupid new powers. That, that's why, like, there's many things that I don't like about Shin Godzilla, like the lasers and stuff, it's just like, whatever, you know, but, uh, I mean, uh, th- if if he's gonna fly in any movie, this is the one where it probably makes the most amount of sense, not that it makes sense at all, but, uh, like, I, I kind of have just, like, accepted it as just, like, it's just part of the weird, like, tone of this movie. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really detract from the tone of the movie. Like, it, it it's tonally consistent with the film. I get that. And the, movie, uh, the film does have two tones, though. That's the thing that I find kind of interesting. Well, yeah, because it, it's... You mean, like, everybody dies <laughs> being one tone? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's trying to kind of... You can tell it's trying to kind of be that like 70s kaiju movie where you have like the little kid who's involved in the plot but then there's other parts yeah where like you see like just dozens of people die at once and there's like that part where they show like a baby like like stuck in this like muck and 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 pretty much all the hetero stuff is like really grim like yeah Bono said it was conscious, though, where he said he wanted to make a uh, Godzilla film for children that had a message for adults to enjoy. And I think he he said in in a couple of interviews that he actually just approached it like a regular movie. He wasn't trying to be artistic. He wasn't trying to to make pop art. You know, it's just us film dorks reading into it because that's what Mm -hmm. we do. And and they even uh, is it a is it the kid's brother or the the older guy he he gets taken out on the mountain yeah he dies doesn't yeah. he yeah i think it's his uncle or something yeah i don't know what he is um and there there's the whole part where like the hippies are kind of like singing on the mountaintop and like it get it turns it like all like this like like drained out sepia kind of kind of um filters and I don't know. It's it's not the kind of direction that we've seen in a Godzilla movie before or since, or in in a kaiju movie before or since. And Chris, you often talk about how it's like the first and only counterculture kaiju movie. Like, yeah, I mean, I just I can't find anything like it. Um, you know, at, one thing that I found interesting in doing this research today was finding, you know, in, in seventy one there really hadn't been any huge regulation on pollution. So making a movie like this 
you know, uh, at a certain point, I remember reading something about there being uh, subsidies given by the government for uh, for filmmakers or studios rather to insert these messages into their into their works. I could not find that source. So I that may have been something I misread or that I, I you know, uh, at, at that week after the election, I would not doubt that I just hallucinated it um, or it's fake news. Take your pick. Uh, but given the context of, OK, so pollution's a problem. This guy makes a movie where the only people in reality that are fighting back against pollution are local groups, mm-hmm. local citizen groups. It's pretty cool to think that this this director was able to. Yeah, sorry, just something, something just fell over in the other room. <laughs> And there's like Matt, is that your train? You got a train going there? Yeah, man, we got we got a train going by. Well, there's a train like the train yeah, hang on, probably we, we hold off for one second. Be right back. All right. Well, the fall. the train. I mean, the, it's it, the train is. It knows that we're paying tribute to to Bono. Yeah, man, it's adding to the ambiance of the moment. Um. So while Chris Sorry about is that. oh, he's back already. And a whiteboard attached to the wall that decided that it no longer wanted to be attached to the wall. It's mad well, that. It's mad that Bono's not with us anymore. He just kicked me for saying something he didn't like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beyond a, the gray ghost. Um, we got the train yelling at us. We got the the whiteboard falling down. What's going on here? Well, I I was also gonna say, um, you know, there were there were definitely some issues with the production. I know Tanaka, um, kind of had uh, it's kind of uh, gone into folklore at this point. But it kind of had Honda, um, you know, kind of checking uh, checking in on the set and making sure everything was going smooth and, uh, you know, kind of doing that while Tanaka was in the hospital. That's the thing. Tanaka was in the hospital when this was being made. Um, and the extent to Honda's involvement varies depending on what you're reading. But it, it's known that he did work with Bano um, on some things with Hedera. Some people say that he directed certain sequences. Uh, I mean, but there's no ver. I haven't seen that like 100% verified. Uh, maybe the book on Honda coming out will um, kind of uh, shed some light on that a little more. But, um, uh, and I, uh, uh, another thing that I haven't seen like 100% verified is that uh, Tanaka wasn't very happy with Honda for saying, you know, everything's going okay when he saw the final movie and said, what the hell is this? But uh, (laughs) (laughs) also, uh, this is when Satsuma had to have his appendix removed while wearing the Hedera suit. And uh, during that process, he learned that he has an immunity to painkillers. Dude, he's such a beast. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a beast. Uh, So, I don't know, with all that pressure and all that stuff, uh, I never, I've never heard Bono say anything negative about the production, anything negative about Tanaka, anything but uh, really kind of pride in his work on the movie, which I think a lot of directors, you know, when faced with all this studio pressure and, uh, you know, a, a guy in a monster suit having an organ removed uh, would probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably would have went home and cried. You know, he was always very positive and really uh, seemed to not have a issue with any of it. Just, you know, kind of took all the obstacles as they came and rolled with them. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think 
for a movie that is as divisive as this one, it's certainly iconic. It's certainly one of the Godzilla movies that um, I think a lot of people saw on TV in, um, in the 70s. I, I think it stayed around theatrically in a, in a lot of grindhouses and stuff. So I think a, this is one of the 70s movies that... I'd say Megalon and Mechagodzilla are probably more famous, but next would definitely be Hedera. And I, the the American poster is one of my favorite movie posters ever, by the way. It's amazing. Yeah, I have it hanging in my living room. <laughs> I know. It's, it's great. Um, I, I really wish there was more poster art like that these days. But, uh, Matt, uh, I'm glad you're kind of transitioning into coming around on this movie because... Um, I don't know. It's 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 a movie that it, again, as divisive as it is, as many people that don't like it, it's really popular. Like Hedera, is there a more merchandised Godzilla character besides Godzilla than Hedera in terms of like vinyl figures? I feel like I feel like there's more Hedera's than like anything. Matt, you're the collector. You you would be able to verify this, but I feel like I see a new Hedera every day, pretty much. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh... I, there, there might be, but I can't think of many because um, mainly the there's like a bazillion variants, and it honestly a lot of them are gorgeous figures. Um, every every merch like every manufacturer, Marmot, Gigabrain, uh, X Plus is releasing uh, 25 centimeter this month. Um, it's there, there's a bazillion header of figures, and shout out to Andy Peters. I don't know if you're listening to this, Andy, but he's got like basically a Hedora shrine in his house. And if you ever go to the, uh, uh, there's a Godzilla collectors group. And there's also like a Hedora collectors group. If you ever see like just, just what he has alone, and that's probably not even covering most of them. Um, I don't know there's, that there's enough. There's uh, a Hedora collectors group. Dude. Yes, that's the, all you like, need to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I'm super, super into this movie. Um, Sorry about the train, by the way. I uh, I can't I can't mute my mic because if I do, the uh, my computer won't let me mute it for some reason yeah, without ending the call. It's adding to the atmosphere. Or really annoying yeah. people. I don't know. One nah, no one cares. Don't um, deal with it. They're paying for this. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, I have a couple of factoids about that about the production that might actually help give a little bit more info to maybe why it turned out the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the budget was $1 million, according to Bono, uh, an interview with uh, BigEmpire.com. Um, and at that point, Godzilla Films uh, had a staff of 60 to 70 people working for two to three months. Bono put his, had a crew of 50 for 35 days of filming. That's insane. So think about this for a second. 35 days, 50 people to make this movie. So you need to have two crews, one for special effects filming for, for the, the monsters and one for the actors. And if you just want to laugh for a second at the fact that we have to, we put so much money into these movies that are come out now. And just imagine how many zeros, how many years in, in pre-production, production, post-production, and I wonder how many will have a legacy like this one has or be as unique. And, you know, the more money, the less the less control, the less the less uh, the less things can actually come out 
in a unique and interesting way. It's it becomes this this uh, we have this product because there's so much pressure for it to succeed. Uh, with this, with the the film industry completely taking a shit in the late '60s, and you know, giving someone a million dollars to make a monster movie, which I don't have the numbers for the budgets of of the most expensive ones, but I think it was more than a million dollars. Uh, and on top of that, to save money, uh, Bono wrote the story so the cast was small, had no big actors in it, and they were all you know part of a family and they're. It was very simple and small, and it was to save money. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive that these movies were able to be made the way that they were. Especially one like this, where, like, I mean, you have to pay animators for those weird, like, animations and stuff like that, Interstitials. Too. Yeah. Uh... Anything else you, you want to share about Hetera before we move on? Um, I'm seeing if I have any other notes that would be relevant or interesting or that I just have other notes uh, that aren't relevant or interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, not to no, I think that was it. I mean, uh, something else that's, I guess, for, for context again of that time, you know, uh, other move. There was a lot of pollution-based media, or it was. It was. There's a lot. So you're talking Spectraman. The first monster it fights was Hedoro. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that thing. Mm-hmm. The movie uh, Spy. The super secret organization is under disguise as the International Pollution Research Center. Uh, Gamera versus Zegra. There's like marine biologists complaining that there's no fish because of pollution, and Zegra leaves its home planet to conquer Earth to find it polluted. It came up again in uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, also, where the 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 alien plant they leave their planet because it was like Earth, and it gets like destroyed by pollution. It's in the public consciousness, so it, you know it finds its way into everything, I guess. Um. So, uh, it is true that, um, Tanaka hated this movie and told Bano that he ruined Godzilla, and he told him that he would never make another Godzilla movie again. Some sources say he would never make another movie again. Some sources say he would never work for Toho again, which is untrue, because we're going to talk a little bit about a movie that he worked on at Toho after this. Uh, in the meantime, um, he was writing a Godzilla vs. Hedera 2, which apparently started off as a, a sequel where Godzilla would fight a pollu- like a pollution-mutated starfish creature. Um, but then he, uh, he, I guess, scrapped that and started doing another Hedera movie. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, again, there's some conflicting information about this. Apparently, after Bono was banned from doing another Godzilla, they were still planning on doing another Hedera film without him. And then eventually they dropped it and went to Godzilla vs. Gigan. But uh, some sources say it would take place in Africa, um, uh, however, in a 2014 interview with Bono, he said that he read that in a guy, in a American publication was surprised to read that it was going to take place in Africa. So yet it's, <laughs> it's very 
commonly stated as a fact. So who the hell knows at this point? Uh, point is, no more Godzilla for him, and no uh, uh, hetero sequel. Which so we get um, uh, prophecies of Nostradamus, which was a 1974 apocalyptic disaster movie um chris might be able to help me out on the backstory a little bit but from what i understand it was originally going to be a sort of remake of the last war which is why that movie's writer has a credit um but then uh bono and uh, another writer basically took it and turned it into some crazy psychedelic 70s thing uh with directed by toshio masuda uh, who I, yeah thank uh, you he, he did um a really fun uh tetsuya watari film with joe shishido uh god i'm dying because i cannot remember the title of it but it has some i don't know I, that's the only film of his that i'm that i can call off the top of my head but he's done tons of stuff in the 50s and 60s uh oh my god this is gonna kill me because it's got a great scene where tetsuya watari just there's like a fight and it gets quiet and then he just starts to dance, and suddenly everyone starts dancing, and it comes completely out of left field. So as far as, as far as I'm concerned, from what I can remember from this one movie that I can't remember the title of, Masuda is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for uh, Prophecies of Nostradamus, um, there is in, an interview, I think it was an interview with Bono. Um, uh, Brett Hominick met with him and confirmed that Bono wrote the screenplay in 10 days in a Shibuya hotel with occasional input from Masuda. And he mentioned that Ben, that, uh, it was based on a book by Ben Goto, which I guess was originally adapted as the last war, but it was kind of, uh, influent. It was the, the kernel of the idea that he kind of ran with for prophecies of Nostradamus. Okay. Okay, the last okay, war that, is a very different movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, no, that definitely clarifies it because, uh, I mean, if they're, they're both from kind of spawned from the same source material, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, um, and Bono directed uh, the sequences in New Guinea, but he does not remember what else he did. So as far as being a co-director, my guess would be second unit because everything in New Guinea was obviously shot in New Guinea. Um, I have the theater book for it, and I just sent you guys a picture um, that was uh, was um, Bono with the, the locals. Yeah. The New Guinea stuff is actually, I think, probably the most uh, interesting portion of the, the film for me. Anyway. It's actually it's unnerving. It's, act, it's very well done. I, mm -hmm. I watched it with a friend of mine who... You know who who sat through this marathon of cannibal movies with me as well this this last this last weekend. Who's seen? You know we've both watched the most extreme, ridiculous, gory things ever. We love finding the most bizarre. Did you watch Cannibal Holocaust? Find. Yeah, and he he saw it, uh, before I did. Um, did. Did he watch the uh, unedited version? Yes, he he is his DVD that we used. Um, so we we've seen it many times himself himself much more than I have. I've been warned not to watch it, Chris. I need I need a verdict. I mean. It's hard for me to recommend it. I love it, but <laughs> if with condition. It's right. really hard to recommend. That's a, that's another story entirely. Yeah, I know. I just I had to ask that question because it came up like a week ago. Anyway, continue with hey. your. So yeah, the, the the New Guinea stuff kind of it, it has this. Well, to start off, there's no good quality copy of this movie in existence. No, um, at all. 
So the, 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 the version, the only version that you can find, you can't find officially. You'll have to find it through gray markets or uh, torrent sites or something. Um, and it is, from what I understand, uh, like a VHS rip that was like smuggled out of Toho, or because they were at some point planning some sort of release for it and then canceled it, similar to what happened with Half Human. So the only version you can find looks like, but, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's the only way to watch it. And uh, I mean, the movie is definitely unique enough to warrant you know, viewing it in, even though it's not going to be the best looking movie you've seen. I mean, you could either pirate it or you can drop 70 to $80, if not more on the, uh, pan and scan VHS re-edit called the last days of planet earth, which I have um, been warned away from watching. I mean, I'm going to, I feel like I half watched it at some point and I have <clears> a <throat> recollection of it. Um, just because I've seen Nostradamus before that. So I think I was just half paying yeah, there, attention. There's definitely cheaper yeah. ways to get it than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 Chris. Uh, we won't get into the plot too much, but I noticed we haven't talked about the plot much. Now I haven't seen this. It's been Ooh. a few years since I've seen this, and I am going to rewatch it. And Matt and I will do a future podcast proper to uh, to cover it um, more appropriately. But Tetsuro Tamba, great the great Tetsuro Tamba, plays yeah. a, a professor who. Chris, the, the movie implies that he's a descendant of Nostradamus, correct? Nostradamus was very busy. And, uh, and he, Japanese. I, I, guess he's, yeah. I guess he slept around, so who knows? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, look, it's not like we take Nostradamus seriously to any capacity, so I can just make things hey, up. Hey, I, hey, he, some people he did do. It. Some people do. <laughs> That's fine. They're allowed to, but there, there are facts. <laughs> uh, so that's just, you know, Nostradamus was a guy who predicted things much like Criswell um, <laughs> had a large beard uh, and people took him very seriously like Criswell. Yeah. So uh, uh, Tetsuro Tamba is a scientist and basically the whole movie is him freaking out and yelling at people about things that are going uh, to happen unless we change our ways and take better care of the earth. And then he leads a series of, of he leads like an expedition to New Guinea where they find giant slugs and and stuff like that and then there there's just a... uh, the, the slugs aren't in new guinea new guinea had uh oh that's my memory failing me then oh okay no the, just, the, just the... like chris do this bird you suck today <laughs> all right the, the slugs are, are a japanese problem uh that's where they showed up uh new guinea had um highly increased levels of radiation did um, they have the which... leeches yes because i remember there's I the guy that, that like gets all the leeches on him Stop ruining the movie for me. I haven't seen it yet. That's your fault. <laughs> I'm oh, complaining about spoilers from like a 50-year-old movie. 50-year-old movie that you can't see legally. I already – I have it. I just I, – I try – see, okay. I had this movie and I was going to watch it today and I have misplaced my uh, less Train. than legal obtained DVD somewhere. So that's my fault. Anyway, continue. Well, anywho, a bunch of really weird crap starts happening. So what the the if the context of it is, it's a world on the edge of the apocalypse, which is something we have no idea about. Right, guys? Um, <laughs> I'm excited for when North so, Korea gets nuked and we all die. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, or or like, you know, so all of the same warnings that this movie puts forward are basically still exactly the same. Nothing. Not much has changed. So uh, global warming is a huge issue. Um 
there, uh, Takeshi Shimura plays a doctor. Um, there's a small subplot, which, you know, if, if you want, if you want to have anything spoiled or not, Matt, you know, may want to eat your mind. I, I was second. just kidding around. Um, children start being born deformed, you know, like all of this, all weird stuff starts happening everywhere. Um, and there's a lot of little tiny set pieces throughout this movie that are apocalyptic or creepy or visual. And it kind of touches on a lot of different, really cool ideas and with a really, really uh, out there score by uh, also recently deceased Isao Tomita, a uh, synth musician who almost scored Apocalypse Now, who um, we did. I think we played the theme for we this did. on the Kaiji we Music did. episode. We yeah. Did. But yeah we, yeah, we get a lot of like weird and yeah, creepy images and set pieces. Like um, there's a part where the ozone layer like gets punctured and. Like it releases all the, the so that's like real that's like real life kind of yes <laughs> yeah and like the sky yeah. changes color and um yeah it's it's an interesting movie man I I haven't watched it en- enough I, I I but it, it's it's definitely one that sticks out and yeah there's there's a psychedelic dance sequence um there's there's parts in here that will bring to mind hetera um. But yeah, the calf sounds awesome. Oh yeah, it's got like all the Toho, like guys that you're used to. But yeah, there's giant leeches, giant bats, giant slugs, cannibals. Um, Dude, I'm I'm sold. This sounds amazing. I need to go find this movie tonight. It's insane. Um, And yes, there are mutants, which uh, is why it's under a studio imposed ban uh, because they're afraid of, you know, protest groups. Well, it's um, it's funny because it, it it was a group that was not survivors of the atomic bombs. It was a group that felt that they needed to represent the survivors of so, the atomic bombs. And, and I, I hate using this word, but it's the only word that I can think of that'll like apply. So basically, social social justice warriors or slacktivists. Yeah. <laughs> I like much. to use the word dummies. But, <laughs> right. You know. Uh. Uh, uh, they are the worst. They really are. This you know, is also... I just watched The Green Inferno, which is a great satisfying pairing to this this story yeah. we're going through now. Uh, they the, This movie also has um, what probably a lot of people think is a scene from Godzilla 1984, which it is, but it's recycled from this, and that's when uh, there's the, the, the exploding... Keep in mind, uh, this is Nakano doing the effects, so... You have a lot of explosions, but this is where you have the the cars that are like uh, in the in traffic, and it like one explodes and it causes each other one to explode. Yeah, which that is, scene is still incredible. When was when was uh, prophecies made? I can't remember. This was is seventy four. So I mean, this is uh, that's eleven a sequence, years later. That still looks great. Yeah, that's a sequence that was so good that a decade later they reused stock footage for for. And it looks better than some of the stuff that they shot. In for Godzilla nineteen eighty four. Yeah, it, it's it's a great scene, and um, yeah. also another assistant director on here. Fun fact is Koji Hashimoto, who directed Godzilla nineteen eighty four, and and Kawakita was assistant director director of special effects as well. Um, but no, uh, Matt, I, I I'm excited for you to watch this, and you know we'll end up doing our our episode where we'll we'll give it its proper due. But uh, it's it's definitely. Um, uh, even though it wasn't directed by Bono, uh, like Chris, would you agree with me in saying that this movie has Bono written like all over it? I mean, I would. 
the screenplay yeah yeah, um, yeah totally that's, that's more or less what i'm what i'm yeah no there's 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 a lot of moments that definitely are like okay this has some of the same genetic makeup yeah um it's it's cool though because it despite it, it suffers from 70s japanese blockbuster bloat where it's like just got a little too much crap that doesn't matter that you just don't care about a, a romantic subplot that who gives a shit um but sounds like modern hollywood blockbuster bloat yeah, but it it's just it's a little drier. It's yeah, a little yeah. a little longer. They they really have this thing where they really had to have a minimum two hours and I don't know. They're aside from all of that, all these great set pieces, the overarching theme, um and I don't know, it's a very unique movie. And even though it does borrow some some footage from a movie over ten years earlier, The Last War, and some aspects of that of that movie which I guess it was influenced by the same book that that movie was based on. It's, you know, it's a world on the end, on the edge of an apocalypse, which is a pretty cool, uh, I don't know. You don't, I can't think of many movies that are actually like that other than Highlander two. Mm -hmm. There was the um, Toei movie, uh, the final war, which was lost up until very recently. I don't know if it's ever been translated, but uh, I have not seen it. Yeah, I, no one is. <laughs> I, I think you can find it now, but I don't know if there's a subtitled version. But uh, I, I'm always keeping my eyes open for it. Um, I, will, I will check my regular sources. Okay, so since Matt hasn't watched this, and you know, we might have some listeners who might want to track it down. Um, what? I just want to ask you. It's more a yes or no question. We don't have to get into specifics, but. Do you, did you do you find the ending to be a cheat? The very end. <laughs> you mean as in the um You can just yes. say yes or no. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I would have liked it to not be a cheat. Yeah. Because and I just like erase that from my memory as much as I can because it's so much more satisfying that way. It really is. But then yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, <laughs> <with> no. <the laughs> <laughs> like what? If, if that uh, if that didn't is, is the last wars ending much better? Because I love uh, that that yeah. movie. Yes, yes, yes. Oh man! By the way, if you've not seen the last war, you just need to go see it because I think it's great. It's haunting, but it's it's a great it's, movie. Yeah, that's one that I really wish someone like Criterion or something would pick up. It, like, that's a fantastic like, movie. Like it's that good. Um, Toho, care about your movies. They're really good. We're yeah. begging you. Please give a shit. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Bono, uh, but after that, um, seemed to do a little bit of work writing. Uh, apparently, he's a co-writer on an animated Wizard of Oz adaptation and uh, something called Technopolice 21C, which is an anime as well. Here's the sequel to uh, Techno Police 20B. Is uh, I just made that. No, don't take me seriously. I'm very sorry. That was well, really stupid. I totally like believed. You. Well, the only reason I believed him is because that so sounds like something crazy enough that an anime would do. Yeah, that's yeah, like the psychopath stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know much about any of that stuff. Um, I it, it looks like the Wizard of Oz might have gotten a release here at some point. Um, and the other one, I know, um, I know, TKU TV is streaming it today, so it's been translated and may, might be available. I just don't know much about either of those projects. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, other than that, most of his life um, since has been making documentaries. 
nature documentaries and things like that, none of which I, I, I think um, have been seen outside of Japan. But um, went on to be a documentary filmmaker, and um, I think it's worth noting that uh, heinously uh, shortchanged, uh, Hedera did return in Godzilla Final Wars. Um, oh man, yeah, I, that I was... actually, which is a shame. I actually like that Hedera suit. I don't like it as much as the waste. original, but but I do like that suit. Um, uh, but <clears throat> in the mid two thousands, Bano had basically um, wanted to kind of returned to Godzilla, and he knew Toho weren't going to try and make their own movie, and he said, well, if I can find the funding and, uh, you know, the money to get the rights and everything, will you allow me to use the Godzilla character? And they said yes, and so he was working on doing a uh, 3D IMAX movie. It would be shot in 70 millimeter and uh, about 40 minutes long, which um, I don't know if people uh, are as familiar with this now that IMAX has become like a big mainstream cinema thing but uh imax movies were usually in these days um kind of about 40 minutes and um usually kind of kind of educational um yeah like museums and stuff would carry them like uh, james cameron did a few of those um and so this would be a 40 minute uh film about godzilla fighting a pollution created monster called Deathla, which he described as being kind of Hedera-like, but with kind of a skull face. Um, and uh, it would have... Uh, apparently, at one point, the final battle was going to take place on the site of uh, the September 11th terrorist attacks, which is odd and changed <laughs> for probably uh, good reason. And, yeah, that's uh, bizarre. Tugger. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, it would have Godzilla, um, uh, it'd have sequences in, like, Brazil, Mexico City, and the final battle would be in Las Vegas, which is, uh, the poster they did to kind of, you know, advertise and try and get interest as Godzilla in a wrecked Las Vegas, um, all out of coins, he's just all out of chips, he's very sad. And I remember when this was announced... I could tell how much Bano wanted it to happen, but I was like, man, that ain't happening. <laughs> I, he was at G-Fest um, when he was trying to get this off the ground, and he was, like, so into it. And he pretty much described the whole plot from point A to Z. He pretty much described the entire movie to the audience during his Q&A. Um, and... And that made it sound even crazier. I was like, that that ain't going to happen either. And, um, you know, he was talking about how, uh, well, Tanaka said I would never do a Godzilla movie anymore. And now that he's no longer with us, here I am doing it, you know. uh, But so he he really wasn't kidding around. You know, this was almost kind of like a, a passion project of his in a way. Um, I mean, I don't have much more to say on that. I, 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 it would have been weird if this happened. Don't you guys think that it would, it would have been a weird thing? 
it kind of reminds me of the like the um the, the original screenplay for the 90s for the 90s Godzilla adaptation where it just would have been this strange anomalous thing that's like this this would have been cool but it didn't really add up to anything logical i guess <laughs> yeah i mean it, it makes sense cuz like in in the i want to say it was in the late 70s or early 80s um let me pull up the article it's us there is an article on Bono on Sci-Fi Japan where they were talking about the production of Godzilla 3D to the max. <laughs> right. I remember ever yeah. a title uh, that would sell something. That would be it. Um, and he apparently Bono worked on the development of a 70 millimeter large format filming and projection system that was kind of like a precursor to IMAX. Um, That's pretty awesome. So my guess if this is entirely speculation, um, tinfoil hat stuff. My guess is he secured some sort of international rights mm. for an IMAX for IMAX presentation of a Godzilla film. Yeah, that would be my guess of how he got into the position to be an executive producer yeah. on on the legendary. Oh one. no, because- uh, the the video interview on Sci Fi Japan. They, they and um, I don't know if you guys have the Godzilla Art of Destruction book they did for that movie yep. but they pretty much talk about the genesis of the legendary movie started with Bano you know i mean he was like i said he was he was teaming up with like uh hollywood effects people um and you know having meetings with ILM right yeah yeah different houses and um uh he was really taking it seriously and kind of bringing it bringing the project to any table that would ha- let him have a seat and uh, yeah, eventually, you know, he met with some of the the folks that worked at Legendary, which led to a meeting with Thomas Tull, and then kind of uh, that really kicked everything off. They they said, "Wow, you know, yeah, a Godzilla movie." Thomas Tull said, "I would love to do a Godzilla movie," and that the rest is history, pretty much. Um, and uh, that same interview that I talked about, that video interview, he it's, it's probably the most I've seen Bano talk about his involvement with the 2014 movie. Um, and uh, obviously they didn't use the, you know, story treatment from 3D to the max, but some of the things, some of his ideas did make it in there, uh, the Las Vegas stuff primarily. Um, but Bano was saying, uh, you know, that he was treated very well by Thomas Tull and legendary. Um, you know, he was allowed to get like, he would, he would stop by the set. Um, every now and then they would even ask him if he had any ideas. Um, he got along with everyone. They didn't shut him out. You know, once he kind of like brought the project to them, you know, they were always very open with him. And he said that him and Gareth Edwards, the director, he said, though they, got along particularly well um you know they kind of struck up a friendship over it and and sure enough you know bono you can see pictures of him uh you know at the hollywood premiere and at the Jap- at the japan premiere and with thomas tall and gareth edwards and he just said it was you know it was a really good experience and that's kind of where i was kind of you know saying it, it it's almost makes me feel a little sentimental that this guy who made this Godzilla movie that a lot of people hate, was shit on by the studio, was told he'd never work in, with Godzilla again. He kind of shepherded this whole thing that turned into this big legendary monster verse where now we're getting King Kong involved. And, um, you know, and, and I remember sitting opening night in a crowded theater 
seeing a, a big budget Hollywood movie, Godzilla 2014, and seeing on the screen at like an AMC theater executive producer, Yoshimitsu Bano. And I'm not going to lie, like my inner nerd was like, oh, that's so cool, like to see his name up there. Um, and yeah, I, I think that uh, it's it's very humbling that he was able to have that experience so at a point in his life where he was so much older and, you know, right before his death. Um, and obviously, like, the MonsterVerse has just transformed into this big thing unto itself, but it, its roots really are, were, were like, uh, practically single-handed planted by Yoshimitsu Bano. And uh, I hope more people kind of look back at that and give him the credit for that. You know, in a way, he's responsible for a lot of this godzilla mania that we're having at the moment including i mean we don't like it i don't think uh, that's a secret but but shin godzilla you know was a huge movie and you know without the legendary movie there's no shin godzilla without bano there's no legendary movie maybe we would get a version of a hollywood godzilla movie at some point but it wouldn't be that version and you know it probably wouldn't be through legendary so so yeah i i think that he 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 needs more credit for that. You know, yeah, I don't. I don't think I could really say anything to, to add to that, Britt. I think you you really hit the nail on the head. It, and it's it's wonderful to see someone's passion play out that way, and, and to see uh, his his heart, you know, get displayed on the screen like that. Honestly, I mean, you, how many people give up on their dreams after? I mean, he he followed this through from the from the seventies. Can, can you imagine chasing something that long? Like, most people just, well, it's never going to happen. They give up on it, but he never did. And I, that's that's an incredible feat. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. really is. I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, kind of just at a loss to even know what to say to that. <laughs> like, it's not even not that he just, he just didn't give up on it. He was told that he ruined the character, that he would never be in, he would never direct again or he would never make another movie in the franchise again or maybe or maybe even I mean, just think about it. He he didn't get top billing on the screenplay because of because of his his negative uh, reputation from Smog Monster. So what what was it about? Was, was it just the flying scene? Because really, that was probably as as my super. Godzilla fan, like the the only thing that really ticked me off about the movie when I first watched it, I think, was the the flying scene. Well, is it worse looking, than Megalon's backslide, <laughs> right? Slide thing, and and, and thinking about that, yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's it's, well, it's not. I think there were a few think. things that um, because someone asked him that at G Fest 2007, I believe it was. I've been to so many of those things; they just run together, but. Um, he said that the thing with Tanaka really just, he didn't like it for the same, not just the flying stuff, but the same reason I think a lot of people don't like it is that he felt it was too weird. Um, he was like, you know, a lot of this isn't okay for kids. Um, and he he was like, you know, what's with these animated sequences? What's with Godzilla flying? Why, why is it so grim? You know, that's not the kind of thing we're really trying to make. You know, it, it, it really just turned him off. And he was just like, I, you know, he didn't really get it. Yeah, he, he, he didn't really get it. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of what made him so, uh, like, put off by the film. Um, and uh, 
But yeah, man, I mean, uh, this is a guy who never lost interest in Godzilla, was always happy. You know, I was at that convention. He was extremely happy to be there, liked interacting with the fans. Um, You know, I it spoke English through a lot of it. It spoke really good English. Um, And, uh, I mean, was just happy to be there, super nice to everyone. Um, And you could tell that he was as much a fan as anyone. And I think that... When you go to a convention, those are, like, the guests you want. You know, you want the guys that are, are going to be, like, on your level. You know, not like, oh, I'm here talking to all these freaking nerds. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't yeah, like, we, <laughs> he wasn't we like that at all. You were talking about some of those, like, convention guests that went nothing to do with their fans. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? They signed their thing and, you know, get out of my line. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about that <laughs> in a Facebook thread earlier. Were you, were you coughing the name Tom Savini, Chris? No, I was coughing oh. all. He was in the same room. <laughs> I was going to say, you should have. Uh, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry. Was, but um, <laughs> last I heard, um, he was uh, trying to do a 3D Gamera movie, which, man, again, I knew that that ain't happening. But <laughs> now it's really yeah, not 3D. happening. <laughs> because he, I, I think he's the only person that even wants to do a wanted, wanted to do a game. He needs. Movie. He needed like Eric to, to <laughs> team yeah, up. He with needed him our buddy that. Eric, who is obsessed with Gamera, to like team up with him and try and convince people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, eighty-six years old. I mean, these days, I mean, like my grandparents lived to be in their late nineties. You know, and uh, I know people are living longer, but 86 is still a fairly long life. Um, and uh, the whole thing with him, I mean, I always thought it was awesome and that he was kind of like the underdog of the kaiju genre for, you know, being down in the dumps and being the one to bring Godzilla back to Hollywood for this successful, big budget franchise, MonsterVerse thing. But, um, you know, now that he, he has passed, um, I look at that and think, you know, wow, you know, I, I, he, that, that at least creatively or what he wanted to do with Godzilla was like, I don't know, that had to have been some sort of closure for him, you know, and it's, it's very cool and humbling that he got to experience that, um, uh, it's for the sliver of a percentage that there ever was of him either doing another Godzilla movie or doing a, a that 3D Gamera thing. Uh, if any of that happened, as silly and unlikely as those projects sounded, I would have been first in line. Um, but yeah, I, I think that for someone who's only worked on a handful of projects, you know, we're talking about pretty much hetera prophecies in Godzilla 2014 um for someone who's only worked on a few projects uh I think that he his work is not only underappreciated but doesn't get enough credit because Hedra is an iconic movie whether you like it or not and 2014 is responsible for like this big renaissance that we're having so um like I said, he's to me he he is the true underdog of kaiju filmmakers. And just on top of that, just he he 
for Hedorah being such an iconic thing, remember, this character made it onto, though it was illegally released, a Frank Zappa album cover. Yes, which was I was going to bring that up earlier because I know that yeah. you and I are both big Zappa fans, but we got talking about prophecies and got all thrown off. Um, but yeah, he is on the cover of a Frank Zappa record. This is true. Yeah, Sleep Dirt. Yeah. It was uh, released without Zappa's permission, but at the same time, it's pretty cool because I was with, uh, years ago, over 10 years ago, I was in a band and uh, this guy had Sleep Dirt. And I was like, hey, that's uh, Hedera from Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. And he checked it out and he was a fan of bizarre cinema, so it was just up his alley. So, you know, he made, uh, Bono made something unique and that is awesome because movies are rarely this unique. They're rarely this different. They rarely have this many different formats smashed together. A children's film, a political activism film with animation, just these strange little sequences to tie things together. You know, this stuff gets remembered because it's different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on top of on top of all of that, is he the last director of the Shoah era? that's living uh yeah, yeah. we've lost yeah. honda oda um fukuda bano am i missing anyone i don't think so so basically what what's interesting here is you said the you know the end of his career being the legendary godzilla the last living director of the original series run was the one to carry it into this new new generation how poetic Pretty cool yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, guys are making me all sad over here, man. <laughs> uh, the the trains are making me. Keep me yeah, the the trains are just adding over there. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, the wah wah like sound. It's, it's yeah. that that's what that is. It's like you're in one of those like sad Johnny Cash songs. Um, uh, just just play hurt. But yeah, <laughs> just, no. Just I mean, I mean, people from this era have unfortunately been passing away older people that's worked on the series have been passing away but um you know bano's contributions are particularly unique and important which is why i thought it was necessary to do this and when i heard he passed you know matt and i were already going to record tonight and i was like i kind of feel like we should drop everything and talk about this um you know and you know it's not something that we would do for every like Aside from the fact that I really don't like the movie, but, you know, uh, Kensho Yamashita, who directed Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, passed away. And I'm not going to put him down or anything, but, you know, I mean, that movie doesn't have that impact, you know. He does, he didn't have that kind of interesting career and story that Bano had. His contributions weren't as big, and I think that that's why this was really necessary, because... You know, there's not a lot of directors that I would, you know, hear that they they passed away and feel like I we need to do this. You know, this, this is a special circumstance here, and it's it's because of his his work and uh, you know just those few movies that have his name in the credits. You know, are important, and um, I really don't think that he he ever got his due either for Hedera or the legendary movie or you know even the the wilder aspects of prophecies you know people that don't bring up his name all the time and i don't know hopefully that changes i will say too uh hetera is, is one of the few monsters that when you ask people hey which monster would you want to see come back like 
for the most part, I always see Hedder at the top of those lists. I don't know about you guys, but that's one of the monsters too. that people and always want to see. Hedder, you know, I, I, just like you guys and pretty much everyone listening, I, I'd always, always prefer to watch, you know, uh, man in suit miniatures with these monsters. But if any monster can be done really cool with CG, it's Hedder. I mean, he's a make him all drippy and gross and, you know, so. It would work and be relevant. Yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah. true. very true. Um, it'll be a hit out here in Michigan because we got Flint out here. Man, I've been to Flint. That place is a uh, nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, gee, I wish we had a Bano out here to work on this water problem that the government just decided <laughs> is isn't important. <laughs> Not <laughs> they, who they needs to, water? They have to boil their water there it, you know? it was amazing i was up there for for a project and and you have flint township and then you have like this road that basically separates the township from the city and like just just me being not from the area and driving through like you see these abandoned apartment complexes and boarded up homes and it was just sad so <laughs> yeah. sad um but no uh it it was a bummer uh to wake up to that it, it was it was literally like the first thing I saw when I popped up Facebook this morning, and um, yeah, it sucks. Um, but uh, yeah, a big shout out and rest in peace to Mr. Bano, and uh, yeah, thank you for the contributions. Um, hopefully, more yeah. people get on the on the train. Not well, no pun intended, because Matt is literally <laughs> like like apparently like sitting in front of a train, but. Yeah, just been one really long train this entire recording. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, there there must be like there is <laughs> train tracks like literally three or four miles from my house. I know where they're at, and they they like I, I guess it's just sitting there honking it. Uh, everyone, I don't know what's going, what's going well, on right now. If any podcast was going to be accompanied by uh, a sad, lonely train whistle, this is know, the one, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, it's a bummer. But any uh, any last thoughts from either of you, you gentlemen, before we head out here? Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have yeah, you especially on, especially so last minute. And I know that uh, this is a particular um, uh, point of interest for you. So, oh, totally. I mean, it's entirely my pleasure. You know, anytime you need to be last minute. I mean, I was going to last minute be on the Zerum two and Zerum. Thing, but I, you know, haven't seen them in too long, so I went on a different last-minute podcast today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, entirely my pleasure. I'm a big fan of both of these movies. Uh, I, you know, a lot of these unsung artists uh, in Japanese film or music or anything, they do a thing and then they go about their life, or they continue down a career. And this is a rare case where his art, his stuff, was released here. And there are fans of it to the point where it's been it's in it's in some part of the pop culture lexicon and he had an impact. And, I, you know, be able to talk about his career like this is I haven't heard anyone ramble about him this long. So <laughs> yeah. entirely my pleasure. And, you know, any last minute message to people listening, give a shit about your environmental impact. That, too. Again, relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah, same here. Watch Hedera. Um, track down Prophecies of Nostradamus. It is out there if you know where to look. Um, yeah, and just, you know, spread the name around. Let people know who this guy is and why he's important to this genre. 
Matt, you uh, you got anything, or are you still oh, man, you hit by the train? Or <laughs> I, I'm just uh, I don't know. I think I'm just at a loss for for words at the moment. Just sad. Uh, it kind of just hit me all of a sudden, which is which is bizarre because I mean I'm not not like the biggest fan of his, uh, of that movie, like I said, but knowing all the contributions and like I said, the biggest thing that I can take from it is, is, is someone that. I mean, I can't imagine hanging on to your to your dreams for that long and following through mm-hmm. the way that he did. That that's an amazing thing, really. And uh, I know he's not the most popular for Godzilla fans, maybe for good reason. But uh, and me personally, I only agreed with this guy maybe about five percent of the time, but loved reading him. Uh, Roger Ebert. Um, this was his favorite Godzilla movie. Hated the original, but loved this one. I guess. <laughs> Go so, figure. <laughs> strange, but not. <laughs> Worth it, but worth mentioning. So, hey, people uh, have opinions. Some people get to write about them and get paid for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, that's our tribute to Mr. Yoshimitsu Bano. And um, uh, yeah, well, tune in next time where hopefully we will have, uh, you know, more uh, upbeat subject matter. But, with less trains. Yeah, with, and less <laughs> less trains, too. All right, well, uh, thanks, Chris, and, um, yeah, we will see you guys later. All right, bye. Save the Earth! Yes, that too. Animals, God's animals, don't go away, don't go away. Flowers, my flowers, don't go away, don't go we have cobalt, it's full of mercury. Too many fumes in our oxygen. All the smog now is choking you and me. Good Lord, where is it gonna end? Got to get it back someday. Got to get it back and soon now. For tomorrow, maybe you and me. We're moving, we're moving, moving to the moon now. It's up to us to make a choice We know what it's worth to save the earth Come raise your voice Yeah. <laughs>